Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Boll, our Director of Public Affairs. We are going to be talking about our legislative day at the Capitol this week, because that is coming up a week from today, which is Tuesday. It is going to be on Tuesday, the 27th of February. You're going to want to learn more about that from BJ Tanksley. We're also going to be talking about our coffees with the congressman that Spencer Tuma is setting up and some county health ordinances regarding animal agriculture with Leslie Holloway. So listen in. We have a lot going on this week. B.J. Tanksley is our Director of State Legislative Programs. B.J., we've got a lot on the plate this week, but we also have something coming up next week that we want to make sure everybody's aware of with our Legislative Day. What is, uh, what's the plan for that? Where can people go to learn more about it, too? Yeah, we're excited for Legislative Day coming up next week, February 27th. I'm going to be hosting here at Farm Bureau Home Office. Um, I think we've mentioned before, but things are changing up a little bit. Um, Bringing folks here to Home Office, kicking off with a lunch here. And then we're going to bring some outside leaders in to talk to our members about what's going on at both the state and federal level. Uh, Going to have some media leaders from, uh, from the media types here in Jefferson City. Come and visit with our members about the lay of the land in Jeff City. You know, things are constantly changing, and these folks are, are following on a daily basis. Uh, going to talk about the way they see things going and, and how that will affect the 2018 election. You know, I think it's going to be a, an exciting conversation. I think anybody that follows Missouri politics knows that uh, things are constantly changing, um, and news is never slow. So uh, it should be a fun time to talk about what's going on, what's going on in the Capitol, and um, how the uh, national level affects our local elections. You know, 2018, we've talked about for a while, we'll see a lot of turnover because of term limits in the House and the Senate of Missouri, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how a uh, uh, 2018 election, how the national level affects our, our local elections and, and what, what kind of changes we should expect from that. You know, we all have our own personal opinions, but it'll be interesting to see some with some uh, uh, different perspectives, talk about how they think that will affect our flow. Um, so then uh, going to have that. And as well, uh, national leader, well, Missouri's own Brian Klippenstein coming in, going to talk about his work at USDA and what he sees going on out in Washington. So another exciting time to hear from Washington. Uh, one of Missouri's own leaders out there it has a major impact um, and going to talk about well, what's going on out there. Some of the good work going on at USDA. You know, there's a lot of exciting things going on with their rural initiatives, some of their broadband focuses and USDA, USDA's normal work. Uh, so excited to hear from all of them. So it's going to be a fun time here at home office. Um, and then we're going to we're going to literally bus up and go to the Capitol where we're going to kind of storm the Capitol. Hopefully we have a big turnout because it's a great opportunity to show the size and the spectrum of Missouri Farm Bureau, we're going to go to the rotunda where we'll hear from our state level leaders. Going to have our Speaker of the House and President of the Senate come down, talk about what what each side is working on. You know, what's important to them this year? What are the major issues they see working on and some of the issues we see with uh, that involve all of our members? Um, Then we're going to hear from our agriculture leaders of both the House and the Senate as well. So it's going to be a great opportunity for our members to hear from our our state level leaders as well. Uh, I think it's going to be a great time. And then we're going to go out for about two hours and going to have some personal visits with legislators. Farm Bureau is setting up those visits where our our members can come in and visit with their legislator. We're going to talk about the issues that Missouri Farm Bureau cares about, whether that's broadband, transportation, eminent domain issues, some of the more uh, direct agriculture issues as well. So we're going to talk to members about why that's important and then invite everybody back here to home office that evening for uh, for our for our annual legislative banquet where we usually have upwards of 400 here at home office. We feed them a great meal as Farm 
Bureau always does. Um, so we're going through a lot of changes this year, but I think it's an awesome opportunity for Farm Bureau to still have that normal voice that we always do and show that our members care and entertain our members and teach them about what's going on at both the national and state level. So a great time to learn and have an impact on Missouri Farm Bureau's agenda moving forward. So I think it's an exciting time. And if anybody wants to come, we do really walk them through the whole thing and uh, take care of all the details for them. So they just need to show up and uh, participate in, in the sessions and go to the Capitol. We'll tell them where to go, uh, wh- where their offices are that they're trying to find. It's nothing that you need to be afraid of if you've never been to something like this before. Yeah, these kind of things could be intimidating to someone who's never been, but we would love to have those folks as well. Um, our Farm Bureau leaders, a lot of them have been before, but they everybody can register at the uh, MOFB website. Um, there's a register link there uh, with some additional details so we can get that taken care of. Uh, let us know you're coming so we can help set up those visits. But after that, yeah, we'll uh, we'll make sure everybody's comfortable and and kind of help get through the process as well. It can be intimidating walking the halls of the Capitol for the first time, but I promise it'll be a big group and uh, nobody should feel intimidated by that. Right. Absolutely. And we've got a link to that, as you said, on MOFB.org. And if you go to our Facebook page, if you're you know having trouble locating that uh, on the website, just go to our Facebook page and there's a post uh, that I believe I posted yesterday about that, uh, promoting it. So you can click on the link there too to register and let us know that you're coming. Uh, one item that has been on the floor um, just today, here we are on Tuesday morning, is uh, this uh, bill regarding industrial hemp production. What we, what happened with that and where do we stand with it? Yeah, we saw that go to the floor um, just this morning. Um, saw a few amendments offered and adopted. Uh, one of the amendments um, brought in the Highway Patrol to watch over some of the monitoring of the program. Uh, also did a 10-acre minimum. Um, so some of those changes, they make sense for the department to make it easier as we're going into this program um, so that we're not monitoring a hundred two acre plots but rather uh you know 10 acre plots easy to see easy to locate that kind of thing um and easy to easier to monitor as we're easing into this program um so i think it makes sense missouri farm bureau um was happy it was thankful to the sponsor that they uh, drew it closer to the the farm bill of, of 2014 um, and uh, drew it in line with federal farm with federal law so we appreciate their their efforts there so we are uh, silent on the bill as of now but we appreciate some of the changes that were made um, and we'll we'll watch it as it continues to move forward it was perfected today which means it still has to have a a third read vote in the house which typically happens either the following Thursday or, or the next Monday so we will see that probably see that happen here pretty soon um, so that that product is moving forward, um, so we'll see how that, that progresses. I know there's talks in the Senate as far as some compromises with some of the senators who've been um, against the uh, similar language previously, so it'll be interesting to see how that proceeds. Um, but it definitely is gaining traction, and, and we're seeing it move forward. So it is something our members, if you're interested in in the production of industrial hemp, uh, something to follow as, as we're getting one step closer. Sounds good. Good to keep an eye on as it progresses through the process. Absolutely. Appreciate you uh, giving us the update and look forward to the legislative day next week. I think it ought to be a really good time. I'm looking forward to my first one. Uh, I think that we'll have some good speakers with uh, the the people from the media as well as hearing from Brian uh, Clementstein and and the the lineup in the Capitol is pretty much everybody you'd want to hear from. So we're looking forward to that quite a bit. Yeah, excited about it. Excited for another year. Um, and just want to emphasize to our members to get out there and register. Let us, let us know you're coming so we can set up those visits. Uh, going to be an awesome opportunity to have another great legislative banquet. Perfect. Good deal. Thank, Thank you, you very much. 
Spencer Tumas, our Director of National Legislative Programs. Spencer, good to see you this week. What do we have going on? Well, thanks, Eric. Yeah, it's great to be back uh, this week here on the podcast. Um, Not a lot going on this week in Washington. Congress is actually in recess, so a lot of our congressional offices are actually going to be back here in the district uh, doing some work in Missouri. But big news from last week, of course, the president released his proposed budget and infrastructure plan. So we've been spending a lot of time working through both of those. Yeah, and that had quite a quite a bit of interesting stuff in it um, that would directly affect rural Missouri and our members. The Let's start off with the infrastructure plan. What mm-hmm. was in that that you were excited to see and uh, what are some of the, the details that you've noticed are really important? Yeah, absolutely. So the important thing to remember about both the infrastructure plan and the budget is that it's just a suggestion. It's not actually law yet. So I want to preface my statements right. with important. saying yes. this is not permanent law at this time. Uh, as far as infrastructure, you know, we were really, really pleased to see that President Trump had included about $50 billion for rural infrastructure projects, uh, channeling that money to communities of less than 50,000 people for rural development, uh, and broadband was included uh, as part of that rural infrastructure package. According to the proposal, uh, states would get a portion of that money based on a formula, and that formula would be based on the amount of rural lane miles in the state of Missouri. And uh, as many of our listeners probably know, Missouri has a pretty expansive transportation system. We would actually uh, rank in the top 10 in the nation if that were to be the formula. That's a good way of measuring it from our perspective. absolutely. Those rural lane miles. We have a whole lot of them in Missouri. So if this were to to become law, we would probably fare pretty well in that uh, that formula. Yeah. The big question, though, is what, the, what are the chances of this becoming law? And, and also, how much does it change between now and then? And any thoughts on, you know, what that process might look like or what our timeline might look like on this? You know, I visited uh, with some folks in Washington, some folks who are associated with the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. At this point, I think everybody in Congress is still working through the proposal that the president put out. And there's really no timeline at this point for getting that into legislative language and passed through both chambers. You know, there's a lot of things going on in Washington. And we mentioned a couple episodes ago, of course, it is a midterm election year. Um, So things start moving pretty slowly up in D.C. when you get into the summer months and through November. Um, I'm optimistic. I think there's an appetite in Congress to do an infrastructure plan. I think there are a lot of big ticket items like immigration and the farm bill that are probably going to rank higher on the list of priorities for Congress. Um, So I don't know as far as whether we'll get it done in 2018 or 2019, but I am confident that there will be some movement, hopefully before the end of the year, at least getting some legislative language put together. Sure. Hopefully at least we can make progress. If it doesn't get passed this year, maybe we can at least get something a little more concrete as to something we can do in future years. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, the, you also mentioned the uh, the budget that mm-hmm. proposal that came out, um, and it had a few things in it that rattled some people in our yes. in our world, um, particularly about crop insurance. That's right. Um, what are the details that you saw in there that were going to be affecting or could could affect people if it were to become law? Sure. So like you said, as pleased as we were with some of the things that were in the infrastructure plan, I think we were probably equally as displeased with some of the things that were introduced in the president's budget. Now, again, the president's budget is simply a suggestion for Congress to work out of. Um, I have 
I'm pretty confident that this budget is not going to go anywhere in the House and Senate. But what the president proposed uh, was some cuts to crop insurance that would decrease the premium from 62 percent down to 48 percent. So that would be the share that the federal government assists with. And so ultimately, premiums would go up for producers. Uh, He also uh, mentioned maybe putting a means test on crop insurance with Farm Bureau Farm Bureau certainly opposes, uh, in addition to some other changes to farm bill programs like the SNAP program. And you mentioned this, that it really is considered dead on arrival on the Hill. No matter yes. that, That's kind of the old joke, is the president's budget is dead on arrival. And it doesn't matter if that's a Republican president, a Democrat president, someone who's popular or unpopular. It's just a suggestion. It's part of the Budget Act that um, the president is required to mm-hmm. submit a budget, but they don't really ever do anything. Uh, it doesn't doesn't have any effect in a force of law. So you're right. Absolutely. Fortunately, this probably isn't something that's going to ever become law, given the makeup of our current Congress. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You know, our congressional delegation in Missouri has been very adamant that crop insurance is one of their number one priorities for the upcoming farm bill. And Chairman Conaway, Ranking Member Peterson, Chairman Roberts, and Ranking Member Stabenow on both the House and Senate Ag Committees have asserted that as well. So I don't think this is going anywhere. I think that, you know, everybody just needs to take a deep breath because it can be scary to read those headlines. But uh, we're working hard for you and we're looking forward to working with our congressional colleagues to, you know, preserve those important programs. Sure. And often the reason that this kind of thing comes up in the budget is that the president's budget people are looking for some pots of money to, you know, pretend to pull money out of so that they can pay for other things they want to propose. Sure. So it's more of just a numbers, you know, a, a math game where they're trying to find big pots of money that they can make it look like they're paying off their their new suggestions. So absolutely don't take it too too seriously. Big grain of salt. Yes. So although Congress is not in session in D.C. this week, uh, they are going to be back in their districts going around and meeting with constituents. And you've got uh, a couple of um, times that you're going to be meeting with some uh, some of our delegation this week. Yeah, absolutely. So Missouri Farm Bureau has really put an emphasis this year on member engagement opportunities. So I know BJ Tanksley has talked about uh, his Capital Connections program where they bring members to the Capitol in Jefferson City every week to really tell their story. And that was the theme of our annual meeting uh, late last year and carrying into 2018. We're trying to do that on the federal level as well. You know, our D.C. trip is coming up and many people have the opportunity to participate in that. But we can't bring every single Missouri Farm Bureau member to Washington. So we had the idea to bring the Congress people to you. So we're kicking off our Coffee with Congress series this week. And it's intended to be a very casual conversation between our congressional delegation and our county leaders from around the state. You know, we've all had that experience when you go to Washington and you have to go through security and take your shoes off and your belt off. And maybe it's your first time there. So you're really not sure where things are. And by the time you get to the office, you only have about 15 minutes to really talk with a member of Congress about what your concerns are. Uh, So this is an opportunity to have a more casual, open and frank discussion with our members of Congress. And we're really looking forward to it. We have Congressman Luke Kemeyer and Congresswoman Hartzler this week. And they really do value that time with their constituents. Mm -hmm. They get so rushed as well when they're in Washington, D.C., and they'll get called out to go to a a committee hearing or to Mm -hmm. vote or something, and the schedule gets all messed up, and they only have five minutes to shake your hand. This is really a much better opportunity for them to focus on what the needs are of 
their constituents. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, well, thank you. And we're really looking forward to it. So we're trying to do a coffee with Congress in every congressional district in Missouri. Uh, as you well know, schedules can get very, very hectic, especially yes. uh, as, the, as the weather gets nicer and people are able to travel a little more far and wide throughout the district. But uh, we are working to set those up. So keep watch and keep in touch with your regional coordinator um, to make sure and see if there's an event coming up in your area. Sure. And that's also definitely a um, uh, something that that people believe about Congress is that when they're not in session, that means they're at home or lounging on the beach or something. No. They work really hard when yeah. they're in their districts. They they have a lot of ground to cover, especially in Missouri's districts where they're pretty mm-hmm. large geographically. Most of them are. They have a lot of uh, places to, to get to throughout the year. So right. we do appreciate them taking some time to sit down and talk with us. Yeah, should be a good event. Looking forward to it. Good deal. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and we'll uh, look forward to talking to you next week. Okay, sounds great. Leslie Holloway is our Director of Regulatory Affairs. And Leslie, we uh, had quite a bit of fireworks the last couple of weeks uh, with an issue with county health ordinances. And, you know, you and I have talked about how that can be something that is hard to understand why it is the county county health ordinances aren't always necessarily a good thing. Um, and we had a lot of uh, issues coming up with that and some things that are still going on with that. Uh, where What happened with that in the past couple of weeks and where do we stand? We've had a couple of counties considering um, county health ordinances that would specifically uh, regulate agriculture and specifically livestock confinement facilities in those counties. Um, Missouri Farm Bureau has policy opposing the use of county health ordinances to regulate agriculture because we believe that state regulations are adequate, are are effective, and are better documented in terms of a basis upon which to regulate livestock facilities. Those facilities that are permitted are are permitted through the state currently, and there are a a number of those facilities throughout the state that seem to be um, operating very well that are not causing problems, at least if you look at the the records that the Department of Natural Resources has. Now, there are always exceptions, of course, to the rule, but from uh, our standpoint, it does not appear that uh, a local ordinance can really do um, much more that would be practical in terms of what these livestock facilities are already doing to manage the, their operations. And so what happened with uh, Cooper County this past week was their county health board um, had put forth a proposal to have a a moratorium on the specific livestock confinement facilities that they were targeting, which are of a certain size. They're also known as CAFOs, or Concentrated Animal Feeding Operations. Mm -hmm. Um, Unbeknownst, apparently, to some of the county health board um, professionals, there are already CAFOs in Cooper County. And so that was something that fortunately the ag community was able to get together and offer to take those folks out to some of these actual facilities and see what they're all about. Um, That is really the the main um, concern in terms of whether these proposals are coming forward based on facts or based on emotion, because until you actually visit those types of operations and understand what they're all about, it is hard to understand yeah. how it works, how how it could be protecting the environment and protecting public health. 
And so it was fortunate that the uh, health board um, personnel were willing to find out for themselves. And then when they met this past week, um, they withdrew that particular proposal. And the county commissioners were also in attendance and stated that they would not be considering a county health ordinance at this time based on the information that had come forward. So um, it was a really great uh, example of how the local ag community came together to try to get information out to people who are not not familiar with agriculture or at least not familiar with those types of operations. Yeah, and it seems like these types of regulations are, like you say, really more based in fear than they are based in fact and knowledge and understanding. And oftentimes when people are exposed to uh, some actual facts and get to see what true modern practices look like, they realize it's not as evil and dangerous as they've maybe ginned it up to be in their mind. Um, and once they're, once they get to meet the actual uh, farmers and and owners of of these facilities, they realize that they care for the animals as well. Uh, they care very deeply for the animals that they care that they take care of. And getting there physically on the ground to talk to them and see them. I think makes a huge difference. Well, and two, two very important points that you've raised. One is that people have these fears, and oftentimes based on, as we've all heard many times now, things on the Internet, right. you know, you get these stories from other places, and it's you know, most of the time simply not applicable to Missouri. Right. Uh, Missouri was way ahead of other states, if not all other states, most other states in the nation, in putting in place permitting requirements and other types of restrictions on concentrated animal feeding operations. And so we've had a a longstanding regulatory structure that um, has been effective, and we continue to try to stay on top of it, make sure that uh, modern technology is is being employed adequately, employed properly, so that there is protection. So, um, but that is one of the... um, one of the points that you raised I think is important to consider. The second one that I think is really important is that these are people who are Uh doing these things. And, you know, you you have to at least talk with the people who are wanting to move forward within the uh, allowances of the state law and state regulations. I mean, they're all very well aware of what they have to comply with. And so at least give them a chance to provide some of the facts and and about what they plan to do. And they've already um, submitted their application to DNR. So they're, you know, they're well aware of of what they'll have to do. And the the reason I think that this gets really tough for people to understand what the, uh, why a county health ordinance might not be such a good thing is it just sounds like making sure burgers are cooked to the right temperature at your county fair and that type of thing is when when you think of a health ordinance that's what you think of or at least that's what I think of and uh, it it doesn't seem like something that to me would be the type of regulation you would use to try and regulate what business comes in and out of your county overall so is this really just has this come up as a, a way a creative way to get around the fact that these counties don't have zoning laws and uh, this is a kind of a backdoor way to try to regulate what business can and can't be in the county without actually going through the the trouble of passing a, a hard to pass um, zoning ordinance. In, in many cases, that's that's exactly what's happened. Is that in counties that don't have planning and zoning in place already, 
and have not been able to get it enacted through their their local ballot. Um, They see the um, county health ordinance as an option for trying to keep certain types of operations from coming into the county, whether that's because they don't like the uh, size, you know, of the operation, they, they are afraid, um, whatever the reason may be, but there are, there are many different reasons and they are not based on actual health data. Right. It's not really because they, they found a, a cause and effect between the, um, those types of, uh, operations in other places and reduced health outcomes, and that's why they want to implement it. It's really they just want to find a way to keep these things out, these uh, operations out of their area, and found a kind of a loophole in the law that allows them to maybe regulate them if they can get enough votes for it. So um, I think that this is something that um, getting everybody on on in the agricultural community on the same page and getting some of the same information to everyone so that they know how to combat it with facts has been really helpful. Um, this is something that has been a growing um, strategy of, uh, of, of the opponents of agriculture, of animal agriculture over the past few years, and getting everyone to kind of be in agreement on how to talk about it has, uh, I think, been a very helpful thing. Definitely, yeah. Well, uh, one other item that I want to make sure to mention is that you've been becoming much more active on Twitter over the past uh, few weeks. We've been having a lot of fun watching um, the uh, the meetings. You go to a lot of meetings. Uh, regulatory regulatory affairs is not just um, done by paperwork uh, when people issue things into the, the register, but it's actually a lot of sitting and talking through the intimate details of things. So when uh, when you're out at those meetings, you've been generally trying to make sure people are aware of where you've been. If people want to uh, follow you and, and learn more about the regulations that you're working on on a daily basis, where could they find you? I am at Leslie, M-O-F-B, and those are all caps M-O-F-B, but that's that's my Twitter handle. So, yes, uh, if you're not interested in every meeting that I go to, that's not a problem. You can pay attention when you want to and don't pay attention when you don't want to. But yes, there are a lot of meetings and it's important, I think, to at least make people aware that the process does require a lot of sitting through a lot of discussions and that there are people um, you know, within state government, within federal government, um, as well as people representing those who are listening um, that are spending a lot of time trying to make good decisions on these things. It is really where the rubber meets the road on the law. This is the excruciating details sometimes (laughs) that actually end up making all the difference. So we do appreciate all the time that you spend in those meetings and and letting everybody know uh, what what it is you're working on. I think it's been been kind of fun to watch uh, behind the scenes a little bit. So thank thank you. you. All right. Well, we appreciate it and talk to you next week. Sounds good. As we mentioned in our introduction, we are going to have our Legislative Day at the Capitol next Tuesday, February 27th. If you're even remotely interested in coming, please do check that out on our website and register there so that we'll know that you're going to be able to make it. Because I'm sure once you see the lineup, you're going to want to be there. We have um, a good legislative panel uh, of the people over in the Capitol, but also some some real experts, uh, observers of Missouri politics that are going to have some really interesting insight, I believe. I'm I'm looking forward to it myself. We'd love to have you there next Tuesday, the 27th of February. Go to our website at mofb.org 
to see the uh, full lineup and register. And also, as I keep saying every week, do not forget to get those Ag in the Classroom mini-grant applications turned in. It is May 31st. That is the deadline. You'll want to get all your teacher friends involved so that they can apply for those Ag in the Classroom mini-grants. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next week.